1: The podcast critics have spoken.
0: Has this guy ever actually interviewed anyone before? And? Wow, that was long. And? I don't have time to listen. Very busy. Sounds like this podcast isn't winning any awards anytime soon. Uh,
2: He did win an
0: award in 2011. Stop living in the past. What else with Corey Mann? Wherever podcasts are sold. Isn't it free? Part of the Studio DNA Podcast
2: Network. Sif Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks. A podcast that knows when you see dirty floors, you get to the mopper. When pictures are too big, you get to the cropper. And when you really have to go, you get to the plopper. It's Sif
0: As opposed to... yeah. I see Java. what I see. What you did. Welcome
2: there. to SIF Pop, streaming live on Spreaker every Saturday afternoon, or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. <laughs> I'm at Ticer from YourMovieFriend.com. He's Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Ahoy. And each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. That was possibly the best and worst Arnold impersonation.
0: Guys, get to the chopper. <laughs> <That> I've, ever, <laughs> I've
2: ever heard. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, we're going to talk Predator. We've actually been talking Predator if you uh, were there for the live pre-show. Yeah. Um, we talked to the original Predator, 1987, because I just saw it for the first time a couple weeks ago. Um, just one that has been in my list of shame for a while, so got a chance to check it out.
0: Would you actually consider that a list of shame movie that you hadn't seen? Or, sure, yeah. It's yeah. a very popular one. It's very popular, but when, I guess whenever I think of list of shame, I think of the more, you know... Artsy? Artsy films. Like, No,
2: nah, I think it's anything yeah, that I a lot of people... seen Kane.
0: Oh, that would be your list of shame. Yeah,
2: video. Citizen Kane would be a list of shame, but I think anything that a lot of people have seen and loved. Okay. I, think, I think you can consider, like... Uh, it's it's to my shame that I haven't seen the Predator. It's one I should have some information and knowledge on. There have been several sequels, like you know, it's a part of pop culture yeah, consciousness. Uh, so I did get a chance to see it. When we talked about it in the pre-show. If you are a supporter of the podcast network uh, at the Patreon, uh, that will show up in your feed, and you can listen to that. It'll be a lot of fun. But we're going to talk about the Predator 2018, yeah, as well as uh, a nice. A nice deep category. We did a letter category today for Best Ever Challenge. So Best Ever Movies that start with the letter P. I got a few. There are a few. Although I like the deep categories because we can pick really like the best of the best. We don't have to, you know, uh, dig deep uh, because there's a lot of good ones. Uh, So we'll do that. And then uh, we've got a Sift Quest, a more like a like a thoughtful, philosophical sift quest today. That's going to be a good conversation, that one. uh, That we'll get into, and of course we'll do some Buried Treasure, but we like to kick it off with some Do We
0: Care? Every single week I scour the universe to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick three topics for us to discuss. We must decide whether or not we care about them or not. Number one is a We Care deeply because we were gone last week, but I do think we have to mention the passing. Of Burt Reynolds. Absolutely.
2: This is heartbreaking. You know, he's before both of our times, really. Like, his like yeah, blow-up, blow-up was before our times. Or yeah. during, kind of when I was born in the 70s. That was kind of when he was blowing up. Um, so, I don't feel like I ever experienced the height of his... Superstardom, but he Mm -hmm. was a superstar. Like when his movies came out, everybody went to see him.
0: Yeah, he was the Schwarzenegger before Schwarzenegger. And what I mean by that is he was the guy who proved you could be a big athletic guy and still be an action star, you know? Like he, he kind of gave us the action star in a way. In some ways, but
2: he also gave us the idea that the action star could also be charismatic. Yeah. You know, could also be, you know, somebody that uh, it wasn't just big buff beat him up, but also had a tenderness to them Mm -hmm. and, you know, had a humor to them. Uh, I think. Oh, yeah. You look at like Cannonball Run. The movie's hilarious. Yeah. I think Dwayne Johnson is kind of trying to to pull that Burt Reynolds thing off. Now, obviously, he's a very different specimen. Yeah, um, physically. Know, back back then, athletes didn't look like athletes look like today. That's very they true. They looked like normal human beings. Yeah, uh, for the most part. So so yeah, that's a little bit different. But man, Burt Reynolds was was absolutely incredible. I think for our generation, generations further, Boogie Nights is probably the thing that probably most probably. Boogie Nights
0: is what I consider his best movie. Yeah,
2: I remember him for and. But he also um,
0: did. You know, did you ever see Deliverance?
2: Well yeah, that was that was his first kind of real breakout role. Yeah. Um so yeah. It's a messed up movie. It's a very messed up movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but,
0: oh yeah, but I'm going to miss that guy.
2: Oh yeah. Cannonball Run like you mentioned, all that kind of stuff. He he did a lot of main stuff. So yeah, I think it's very valuable even though it's been a week since we didn't do a live show last week, I think yeah. it's I think it's valuable to bring him up. So, Absolutely. thank you. Appreciate that.
0: All right, number 2. Henry Cavill is saying, in all likelihood, he is done playing Superman with this news and Ben Affleck always teetering back and forth whether or not he wants to continue to play Batman. Yeah. Can we please kill the DCEU?
2: <laughs> I, think, I think you care. I, I sense some some care and concern in your voice, yes. Andrew. Yes, do you care, Aaron? Um, I'm almost to the point where I don't. It's just so annoying. Like the whole thing is just so, it's almost sad to me. Like there's a, there's almost a sadness to it because, and I think it even with Cavill, it even goes deeper for me because I feel like he could have been an amazing Superman. And in some ways, he was. I like Man of Steel. I don't love Man of Steel. I'm right with you. I liked it. I'm right with you. And the issues I have with Man of Steel are the issues that have, in, what I would say destroyed DC's attempted at and expanded universe, which is I don't think they understood how to make us care about that universe. I don't think they understood why we care about Superman. Um I, I think they were afraid of the Boy Scout thing, but that is Superman. Like yeah. make him optimism. Make him Patriotism, make him like you see what Marvel's done with Captain America, right? Yeah. Captain America is the Boy Scout. He's optimism, he's patriotism, but he has darkness in him and it's been allowed to, uh, I, or darkness around him maybe is a better way yeah, to say it. Yeah, you that.
0: look at like a uh, Winter Soldier.
1: Yeah, you know? or
2: even you look at Infinity War and the bearded Captain America and the grizzled Captain America. They've allowed that to develop depth mm-hmm. in the, in that, in, but gave him the introduction we needed of you know, that Boy Scout America, you know, kind of thing. And I think that's, to me, that's beautiful. That's human. But they didn't give Superman in the DCEU a chance to be that. Mm-hmm. And I think that has really hurt everything uh, throughout it. So, yeah. yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, just kill it. Nail. nail, Put a nail in the coffin. Move on. Um, if you want to make Wonder Woman movies, if the Aquaman movie's good and you want to make Aquaman movies, that's fine. Let the, people
0: have said they actually enjoyed Aquaman and test screenings. So, well,
2: let just let it develop naturally. Then, yeah, you know, make movies about your characters that people are going to find interesting and fun and want to see. And then, when you've got a, a you know a, a fandom base for these different characters, then put them together in something. You yeah. know,
0: like don't try to force it. Uh, so. This isn't the next do we care? But John Hamm says if Ben Affleck is out as Batman, he says he would like to do it. Oh, he's like putting his own name out there. Yeah.
2: That's cool. Yeah, I kind of like it when actors do that. I think there's a tendency to be like, "How dare he?" You know, think that he can be the next Batman, and I'm like, "I think it shows passion." I do too. Exactly. I I kind of I kind of enjoy that when actors are like, "I'd like to take a shot at that." Yeah. So
0: I mean, right now, I'm not saying this from a financial standpoint, although I totally get it. Being a superhero right now is like the big thing. Yeah. And. You can still do really good work. Whenever you're a superhero, you look at people are like, "Oh, Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be a superhero. He's great as Doctor Strange. Oh, he is. He really is. Not like just great as a character. The performance he's giving is like on par with what you'd expect from him and Sherlock and yeah. stuff. So, and I think you look like Chris Evans done some interesting
2: work outside of you know the Marvel universe. I think as an actor, more than ever you can do these big poppy pulpy kind of fun things and also still have the ability to step back and do something smaller or something more interesting to you or whatever. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think it'll be interesting to see, but I I'll take it one, one piece of news at a time, you know? Yep. So, all right.
0: Finally, this is really just for me. Um, <laughs> c- just because I know me and I know you. Uh, Halle Berry will star and direct, I think this is her directorial debut, in an upcoming MMA film titled Bruised. It's about her. She was a former fighter who is going to now take on a rising star while simultaneously trying to keep her destroyed family in order. It's pretty hmm. much all the Rocky sequels except it's now MMA, i'm excited about this before you say whether or not you care or not because a it's mma and i am excited to see another female fighting movie like uh i think the last one i really enjoyed was a million dollar baby
2: what was the one that was that actually used an mma star was a soderbergh movie i was was it was a haywire haywire i really liked haywire yeah um I'm not necessary. this isn't something I'd be like, Oh yeah, like I'm interested in this news. It, it falls in that category of news where I'm like, Okay, let's you know, let's see. see. Yeah, let's wait and see.
0: I'm intrigued by a directorial debut as always. Yeah. So Yeah.
2: I'm I'm always intrigued to see what, what people do when they get behind the camera, kind of what artistic, you know, streak comes out in them. So it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see. Is there any kind of release date, anything like that in, in it the It does not even or- enter
0: pre production, so I'm assuming it's, it's not gonna
2: like be till next year. Announcement that this is kinda of happening. Yeah exactly all right cool that's gonna wrap it up for do we care go get it Halle berry yeah do your thing uh all right let's talk about the predator
0: tell me about the mission did you see anything unusual it's above our bakery
2: do i get a cookie now
1: <laughs> look i get it something went down in mexico it wants any witnesses. We need to know if you can your man pose a threat. We're rangers. The Predator.
2: From the outer reaches of space to the small town streets of suburbia, the hunt comes home. The universe's most lethal hunters are stronger, smarter, and deadlier than ever before. When a boy accidentally triggers their return to Earth, only a ragtag crew of ex-soldiers and an evolutionary biologist can prevent the end of the human race. I have a lot of problems actually with that description. I think they're flat out lies in that description. But uh, maybe you wrote can... it, didn't you? No, I didn't. Oh. Uh, I always get my descriptions from Wikipedia. Oh, okay. Like the press release kind of descriptions, and um, <laughs> perhaps when we get to spoilers, we'll talk about some of that stuff. Yeah. But let's talk about the Predator. Let's start uh, how we do. Did you like it? Love it? Dislike it? Hate it? Or it was just okay?
0: Okay. I'm just gonna okay? say. No, I'm, I'm gonna say I thought it was. Okay, leaning towards didn't like it. Okay. Yeah. I'm actually okay leaning towards liked it. Okay. Um, But I I need to say this. This is a terrible movie. (laughs) This is a terrible movie. In
2: many ways,
0: yes. This is a terrible movie. It's
2: one of those movies. Let's just start here. It's one of those movies where it's like... If you just if if you were to do the and this this will kind of bleed into our conversation later about objectivity and subjectivity in art. Yeah. If you are looking at at um, objectivity in art, like what makes movies good scientifically, right? Yeah. This is this is a horrible. This movie. is
0: beyond like atrocious. Yeah. This is
2: made very poorly. It is Shane Black. But it's one of those movies where you there are still moments of magic. Like there are still moments you watch and you go oh, I think I get the kind of movie this wanted to be. I think I get what they were going for. And when those things are working, you're laughing, you're having a good time, you're interested, but they are few and far between because the movie is so poorly put together that it's hard to get into any kind of extended enjoyment of what's going on. So um, there was enough of that stuff is why I... I go with a C plus, not a C, and pro- and you go with a C minus. I'm guessing, kind of in that range. Yeah, but um, I, but yeah, I think there's
0: there's stuff that happens that's fun, but the whole movie is bad. You're right. This uh, this could be the pro that I start off with. I was surprised how actually. Kind of funny. This movie is intentionally funny. Yeah, at times. I think the humor is the most
2: inconsistent thing in the movie. Yeah, I, think, I, th- I I totally agree with you. I think there are moments when the humor is really funny. Yeah, and then there are moments where it's really stupid. Like yeah. I mean, off the rails, bad. Yeah. Um, this is this is not a spoiler. It's a visual joke fairly early in the movie. Um, there's a, a school sign that says "Welcome teachers and STDs. students," but they they abbreviate students "STDS." Yeah. That's not funny no. because it's not real. Nobody makes that mistake. You know, uh, like you just you didn't have those letters. Why are you abbreviating students in the first? That is a joke that at its base isn't funny, but then isn't even funnier because it would never happen that way. And there are so many of those moments in this movie with the humor where it's just like, that's just stupid. That's yeah, just that's not funny. But then there are Sometimes. also scenes like the hotel room scene without going into details. Yeah, they are funny. hilarious. Yeah. And it has to do with the chemistry of these guys hanging out and that kind of stuff, and that's great. But there's the movie,
0: a, oh, it just couldn't get consistent. There's one line in this movie. I'll just say it deals with an aardvark. Okay, yeah. I was crying. I was laughing so <laughs> yeah. hard.
2: Yeah, there are those moments, right? Yeah, where it's hilarious, and you just, you just kind of go, man, if the, it could have had any kind of consistency, or yeah. it just feels like a movie overall, humor wise, and a lot of other ways, that was
0: just taken out of the oven too soon. Like, it was yeah. just, it was just, it didn't feel like it was done yet. Um, no, at all. Like, I know we're not into cons yet, but I got to say this right now. No, go for it. Um, the script for this movie had to have been written by a 10 year old because nothing makes sense in this movie. We're going to get into spoilers, but like. In our spoiler section, not right now. Yeah, no yeah. No spoilers yeah. right now. Right? Yeah, I'm just saying. When we get to spoilers, we're going to talk about like plot development, character choices, stuff like that. And you. But from a general standpoint for right now, you look at that stuff and you're like, how could anybody, especially Shane Black, who is a renowned filmmaker, for mm-hmm. who makes really good movies, make a movie this bad for a guy who was in the original Predator movie and who should have an understanding of what these movies should be about? Yeah. Maybe I can get into this again, going on off on a rant, but it's... There's nothing more to say in the Predator universe. There's no more reason to be making these movies. Uh, the You can make two or three of them, and yeah, they're awesome, but whenever you keep jumping back on and you don't have anything new to say... Right. Like, they tried, but it's it feels more like whenever you watch a Predator movie, it's like, where can we put them and not what can we do with them? Yeah. It's like, okay... First, they're in the jungle. Now they're in the city. Then they're in the Arctic with the AVP stuff. We're not even going to get into that. I'm not going to lie. Predators, the one with Adrian Brody, I thought was kind of fun. I haven't seen any except the
2: first one, which I just mm. saw a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how much of this mythos building has happened in the other sequels. Like the stuff they talk about that I'm not going. I'm not going to spoil because I don't know what was actually in other sequels yeah. and what is here. Um but uh, but yeah I, I it is it is a mess um, yeah and I, the, really we can go to Cons because the only other pro I actually have is that I that I really enjoyed Sterling K Brown I think he was the one who knew the movie he was in yeah. and was just chewing it up every every line he delivered was like it was the most important line in the history of man yeah. it was it was just like every word well he
0: has that <laughs> voice you know right. and that articulation. He is the this is us guy put in a predators movie. Yeah. I and... <laughs> I really liked his performance. Yeah. Um so that
2: that was of the performances, the only one I could say down the line I really enjoyed it. Didn't have a lot of faults for me.
0: No, um, like Boyd Hallbrook, even Olivia Olivia Munn, I was like, oh man, Olivia Munn, she's gonna kill it in this movie. And at a point she kind of does. Yeah. But Not really? Well, but see, a lot of
2: what I didn't like about Boyd Holbrook, Olivia Munn, even Keegan-Michael Key. Jacob Tremblay was just bad in this movie. Jacob Tremblay. A lot of the stuff I didn't like about them, what to me, seemed almost like director decisions. Yeah. The way things were shot. there's, There's moments, I know this seems petty and minor. It's just the kind of thing you think about when you're watching a movie and you're like, why am I not enjoying this? But the way people running was shot sometimes seemed I almost seemed like film schoolish like yeah. it wasn't nothing seemed interesting like there're just shots of Olivia Munn running across the screen and I'm like I don't know it, you it, I, maybe you just have to be Tom Cruise to pull off a running scene but it's just like <laughs> but it's it's just like I put a lot of that on the director I actually don't put a lot of what I didn't like about the performances on the actors um, because there are moments with a lot of them that you can see it might have worked. Also, I put some of it in the writing, um, which we can talk about now as a con for me. Some of the writing, I, I get that he was going for, I'm not going to like, that I'm, I'm taking all the, the you know, the, um, I, I'm going, I'm not worrying about going too far <laughs> with what I'm writing, right? Like oh, Okay, yeah. The boundaries. I'm taking all the boundaries away. Yeah. Um, we're going to. Tell really dirty jokes, do really raunchy things, all that kind of stuff, right? But at the same time, to not be sensitive to the idea of uh, Tourette's or um, uh, you know um, Asperger's being on the spectrum, those kind of things, it just it seemed a very ham-handed way to handle stuff that probably should be handled a little more sensitively uh, for people who are actually going through those things. Um, I get the kind of movie he was making, but I just, it's 2018, and right now, that's just, that's difficult to do. You know how
0: I feel about PC over, culture. Oversensitivity, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally against it. But there are points in this movie where I'm like, ah, uh, that's not the way. For the uh, Asperger stuff, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. The Tourette stuff. The Way it was filmed, I'm not saying like you know, you can right. oh, it's okay, they did this with this, but yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not with this one. I'm just saying they were handled differently. I agree, actually. And I was like, really? Uh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, there.
2: okay, that's yeah. that's all I want to say about that part of the writing. Is um, I don't know, it was just it. If if again, and I say this all the time about you know, raunchiness, that kind of stuff, if your goal is just to be raunchy and you think that's the humor. You've lost me. If you are clever and interesting, whether it's raunchy or not raunchy, that's what I appreciate. You know, that's what I can, you know, laugh at or think is funny or interesting or clever. You know, like clever is so much more powerful to me than just, you know, throwing out a dirty joke because it's a dirty joke.
0: Yeah. You know? No, that's exactly what this movie did. It's like, oh, we can be vulgar right
2: here. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what what other, did you have any other pros you wanted to mention before we just tear apart the rest of the cons? <laughs> no. no. We've mentioned, I mean, we've mentioned most of the stuff I wanted to touch on. You mentioned how this movie is, uh, to me, it was like it wanted to do a million different things and didn't know how to do any of them well. Yeah. You know, it just kind of jumped from thing to thing, Place. there were times where I was like, wait, how did that character get here? Yeah. Like, what, he was just here, like, when." What happened in between this? Uh, you know, they're just. It seemed like I had it was a lot of missed. problems. With
0: like, how did they know this? They weren't
2: there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was. It was a mess in that way as well. Uh, it also is pure sequel bait. Um, the, uh, not, I. I am so yeah. Not just the way it ends, which the ending is horrible, horrible, and just about as sequel baity as you can get. I even mean the whole movie doesn't take time to say any. Any inter- interesting thing enough in the story that gets resolved in any kind of interesting way, the whole movie is just setting up these characters yeah. and this idea without any real kind of uh, I don't know. There's there's nothing to it beyond oh let's go back to this world now and you know see more predators. And it's just like I don't know. I just didn't find any reason to get excited about what the movie wanted me to be excited about.
0: Yeah. There's a scene with Olivia Munn in this movie that I felt was purely I don't want to say pornographic, but they just Well it certainly wasn't anything pornographic. But I mean like they pretty
2: much Well like, the violence was pornographic and if I mean if you take yeah. the literal the literal term pornography, yeah. we think of it as meaning only sexual, but yeah. You know.
0: I think there's like there's a scene with her where like, hey, we can get her out of her clothes for a scene. Let's put gratuitous. it in a movie. Yeah, gratuitous. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. why? It, it made and me it feel even, uncomfortable. Well, and it, it wasn't even explicit nudity. No, they didn't. But, you know, it was the feeling, you know. Like, exactly. Like, really? You're going to do this just because you can? Well,
2: it feels icky, and it feels even ickier knowing that the movie has been haunted by the fact that Shane Black put one of his friends that was a yeah. convicted sex offender in the movie. Olivia Munn has come out later and talked about Good for that. her on that front Mm -hmm. though yeah Yeah, and good for her for challenging her male co-stars to you know stand up for her too um so that added to that it's a shame it's not a good movie (laughs) (laughs) it makes it feel even you know a little bit ickier but maybe that's why it it just it felt very gratuitous it was like yeah yeah, it was as if yeah i guess we can't without spoiling a a story beat maybe we'll talk about that more in spoilers i'm not sure there's so much yeah that we could talk about in spoilers but um but yeah i get what you're saying it was fun
0: seeing jake Busey in the movie (laughs) Because His dad yeah. was in Predators 2 or Predator 2.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, I didn't realize that. That's interesting. I wonder if maybe that was part of the crowd reaction. I'd be interesting to hear oh, when what, you kind of, what kind of crowd you saw it with. Um, there was like two other people in the there theater. were about 30 people in the theater. Really? I saw it in IMAX. Um, so but for the most part, the response from the crowd was actually really good, lots of laughter. Um, but when Jake Busey came on screen. There was a big response, and yeah. I wonder if it had to do with the fact his that, that his dad was too. in Predator too. Yeah, um, because I was like, really he, for Jake Busey? Yeah. But I mean, I I mean, he's fun sometimes, but that's why. Okay, that makes the, more sense to me now. Yeah, man, the it, guy it's a callback. The guy directly to my left mm-hmm. loved this movie. He laughed through the whole thing. I'm so,
0: not gonna lie. Even though there's like two or three other people in the theater with me, after the movie ended, they all clapped. Yeah, yeah, they're like, woo, yeah. And I'm like. Huh, I'm glad you liked a movie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I and I think that it's it's
2: going to be enough for some people. You know, those moments that we talk about where it does work, where it is funny, that plus, I think a lot of people are actually going to it for just a rated R, take the boundaries away blow people's you know all everything's off yeah you know like it's just that's what they're going to see so for yeah. those people actually this is probably the movie they're hoping for mm-hmm. uh, i think for you and i we're hoping for a little bit more like you can give us that movie because plus, we've seen a little, more right, from this yeah, property yeah exactly so yeah i think you're right yeah
0: i i think predator the predator franchise is best served when it's minimalistic like, well, that was the original. That's what I'm saying. Like, Whenever you try and add too much backstory and depth, I think you hit on this... I don't know if you hit on it in pre-show or if you hit it on it earlier, but like, whenever you just have the Predator doing Predator stuff and you don't have to have this really weird plot and extra yeah. stuff...
2: Yeah, we talked about that in the pre-show. Yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. Don't add... It's not necessary. Same with uh, Alien franchise. Right. You don't need... Maybe that's why I hate the Prometheus and uh, Alien Covenant so much. Yeah. It's just, I don't need all this stuff.
2: I actually respect what they're trying to do with the mythos of the Alien franchise much more than I respect what they're doing with the mythos of the Predator uh, franchise. Yeah. Um, There is... The backstory they try to add here doesn't even matter that's my problem like they're 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 trying to add backstory just for backstory's sake because it inform it does not inform the story in any interesting clever or thought-provoking way Uh, whereas with the alien backstory they're trying to add they actually are trying to do something clever and interesting and thought-provoking especially now whether they succeed on that you know, we can definitely argue about, but they are at least <laughs> attempting something thought-provoking with what they're adding to yeah. the mythos of the Alien movies. Here they're not. Here they are just adding backstory for backstory's sake, and yeah. it's obvious, and it's shallow, and there's nothing interesting about it to me. So yeah. so, yeah, I didn't appreciate that part of the movie either.
0: Yeah. Anything else? No, I'm done. Yeah,
2: that's about it.
0: Um, although I will say whenever I am really excited to get into spoilers to tear this apart even further,
2: (laughs) there are very specific moments. I think a very specific humor moments that I want to mention that are just like, really, that's funny. Um, there's a moment towards the end of the movie that I think is supposed to be both funny and emotional that I think fails on all levels and was possibly the worst thing I saw in the entire movie. um, there's some meta stuff I want to talk about where the movie is kind of talking about itself that some of it worked, some of it didn't. So I'm, I'm right with you that it's almost the specific things are almost more exciting to talk about in this. Yeah. To really kind of drive those points home. So uh, that'll be a separate episode in your feed that we will talk spoilers for Predator. But for now, let's move on to the Best Ever Challenge. Uh, this is where we name the best movie ever in a category – we're just going broad this week. Best ever movies that start with the letter P. Le- the word the does not count. But Correct. Yeah. Correct. In fact, all three in my top three have the word the before the letter with the P. Really? Yeah, really. I don't believe you. <laughs> I think there's a movie that that you know that I love. Yeah. That you think I love more than I, it's that's not in my top hundred, actually, um, but that I do love, but it just it hasn't gone higher than others i think i know exactly which movie you think i have in the probably in the in the top three all
0: right uh do you want to start off with your number
2: three uh yeah sure okay uh my number three is the passion of the christ cool um i this movie still means a lot to me uh there was i've talked about my faith before on the podcast it's not like it's something i hide or anything um but uh but sitting in the theater after this movie and seeing a a more authentic uh portraying of what that actually would have been like to be crucified yeah uh was it's hard to express how, what that means to me with what i believe yeah. Um, and i just i sat there in the theater is the longest i've sat after a movie all the way through the credits i, I couldn't get up i couldn't get up for probably another 5 minutes um wow. just thinking about what that was so um so yeah it's always going to be one of the most It's a heavy movie. movie. It's very heavy. Yeah. Yeah um and it's and it's even heavier when you believe it actually happened yeah you know what i mean when i first saw it i
0: was i was christian whenever i first saw it so yeah yeah, i had that initial reaction um just just so you know for me looking on it now it just seems very pornographic in a violent exploitative yeah
2: i've I've heard that and it's certainly something mel gibson is not afraid of he does he uses violence uh in that way so
0: yeah yeah But it's also very realistic.
2: Right. And it's it's by the way,
0: I've seen There's a difference between like RoboCop violence and passion violence.
2: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um by the way, I've only seen it once and I don't know if I'll ever see it again. Like it's It's one of the It's not a movie you really can put in and watch. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like I there's part of me that knows I I needed to experience that. I Mm -hmm. needed to understand The reality of that violence, one time, but I don't need to live in it to understand what it means to me.
0: I'd be curious to find out what DVD Blu ray sales for that movie are. That's an interesting thought. Like, would you buy that DVD? Like, oh, I want to watch that again. Yeah,
2: Yeah. it's interesting.
0: Yeah. I don't know. All right. Uh, But that's my number three. What do you got? I'm going to get trumped, but I'll just go ahead and say the
2: prestige. Yeah, I have it at number two, so we can go ahead and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. So good. So very, very good. It, uh, best magician movie ever. And I think you've said this. You think it's Christopher Nolan's best movie. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm still like going to go with best. The Dark Knight, but it's number two as far as Christopher Nolan movies. I, it, is, it is one of
2: those movies, too, and I think what I love about it, there's something I give a little bit of extra little bonus for a movie that is just a great story told fully that doesn't need anything else. And we live in such an era of expanded universes and sequels and ip and property that i just give a little bit of bonus to a movie that's just like nope this is the story it's all right here and the prestige is definitely one of those yeah no sequel for the prestige what would the prestige two even be and why would it like you know what i mean like if somebody tried to do that i would seriously question their sanity like Like the titanic two. yeah like it makes no sense yeah so um so yeah the prestige is is one of those movies uh, it's one of the movies you'll hear me say is a perfect movie, and what I mean by that is it does exactly what it sets out to do, and it does it in the best way I can imagine. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: You're missing a button. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I will totally agree. While I think that the Dark Knight is far more entertaining, like I have a lot more fun with it. I will agree that it has flaws, whereas when I look at the prestige, it is perfect. It, uh, it yeah, it just feels like a perfect. I totally movie. agree with you on the front. And I think whenever we did the uh, best ever challenge on Christopher Nolan, I think prestige what ended up at number one. Yeah. I think it did. For you, too? N- no. Uh, I think because I had prestige at two, and Dark Oh, Knight we did like one. a Sif Sort on yeah, Nolan? Sort, yeah, Sif oh, Sort yeah, yeah. on Nolan. Okay, and I think yeah. Prestige came out at number one.
2: I, that wouldn't surprise me because we both love it so much. Yeah, And I'm not as huge a fan of A Dark Knight. Yeah, um, I think
0: that's where we ended up with it.
2: Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's good. Yeah, so uh, you're number three, my number two. Hugh
0: Jackman and Christian Bale just... <laughs> Eating uh, up the
2: movie is so good. Like I just want to watch it right now. Yeah, like, I, it's one of those movies. It, every time it's mentioned,
0: I'm just like, I need to put that in and yeah. watch it again. I'll get sad when I see David Bowie. And <laughs> yeah, he was really good as Tesla. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There is not a single bad performance in that movie. No, think about it. Joe Hanson's good. It's so great. It, yeah, crazy. Uh, so my number two, Brilliant. I guess. Yeah, and your number two. Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, you know, I wondered if you've had you'd had Pan's up this high. Yeah. It's my favorite four-language film of all time. Yeah, um, You know me. As I've said before, I, even, I think I said it last week too, Guillermo del Toro is one of my favorites. I love his style of storytelling, especially when he gets into the more artistic style of telling fantasy like Pan's Labyrinth or The Shape of Water, you know. Um, I'm not saying that I don't enjoy like Hellboy or Pacific Rim, you know, but whenever he gets into this, I think this is his bread and butter.
2: Pacific Rim, there's another P-movie yeah it th- didn't come up for me
0: it's in honorable
2: mentions oh did you put it in honorable mentions it's fun i like I the mean, first it's one fun. i just with a this broad of a category i just i didn't end up putting it in honorable mentions
0: well it's it's because i was thinking guillermo del toro i'm like oh yeah pacific room so that's why i put it in oh, my nice. honorable mentions
2: uh pan's labyrinth was one that just didn't hit with me and that's been the same for most del toro movies for me i'm i'm not a huge fan shape of water is my favorite of his uh feels the most accessible to me Mm-hmm. um by the way, it's interesting that your, your favorite foreign language film is on this because my favorite foreign language film was my number three, Passion of the Christ. It's actually a foreign language film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dead language, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, so there you go. Pan's Labyrinth in at number two. So do we have the same number one? No. Oh, we don't? No. Mine's The Princess Bride. Yeah, I know. Uh, we've talked about this movie many times. In fact, this movie was my number one last time we did a Best Ever Challenge. Yeah, I don't even what the challenge was, but... Uh, but, man, I love this movie. It was
0: a uh, love stories. Yeah. Uh, so, rom-coms. Rom-coms, yeah. yeah.
2: So basically, Princess Bride will be the number one of my best ever challenge in a lot of different categories. <laughs> I, I totally get it, yeah. <laughs> when it's your number the five, I think, is where I have it right now, movie of all time, It's there's only a few movies that yep. will, will surpass it. I totally get it. Uh, I do love this movie, and I don't feel like I need to go into any more depth as to why.
0: There's actually another P movie before it in my top 100 movies of all time.
2: And that is? Uh,
0: it's it's going to be an honorable mention, but okay. I'll just say Pulp Fiction.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that was an honorable mention yeah. as well for me.
0: And then it's The Princess Bride. All these movies, when I looked at I just went through my top 100 and I just grabbed them in order. Yeah. So uh, my number 18 movie of all time, Prisoners. Oh,
2: yeah. I forgot how much you love this movie.
0: Yeah. An insane amount. I love Prisoners. It I, is my favorite. We've talked about this
2: before, but... Be- you don't like it. Well, I. it's not that I hate it. It's just that it does... It's a little over the top for me. Like, I have a hard time buying into the performances.
0: That's um, crazy. I know, I know. Maybe I need to watch it it's again. It's my favorite Denis Villeneuve movie. Yeah. Uh, well, Would yeah, you- yeah, it is, yeah. Um, I think Hugh Jackman, this is his best performance Ever wow in this movie and i think it's jake gyllenhaal's best performance ever i i think hugh jackman is completely
2: over the top in this no i think he's perfect i didn't didn't buy in but jake gyllenhaal's but i love gyllenhaal man i he's one of my favorites i every performance he gives I'm, i'm astounded by that that dude yeah except for maybe alive that space movie or
0: whatever. Oh, yeah. You really weren't a fan of that one, were you? No. So you didn't like Viola Davis or... Uh, oh, come on, man. What about Paul Dano? Paul Dano was killing it in that movie. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, fine. Uh, honorable
2: mentions. Yeah. Well, can I just say my first honorable mention is the one I think you thought I would have had on there is Psycho, yeah. right? It's not in your top 100? No. no. Really? As much as I love Hitchcock, Sy- uh, Psycho is is down the list of Hitchcock movies for me.
0: I, I I think I've heard you say that you prefer his earlier works more. I do. Not just his earlier works, but there
2: were, I mean, actually my favorite Hitchcock films are right around the same time, um, like Rear Window yeah. and North by Northwest, Vertigo. Those are, those are my favorite. Psycho is a horror movie. I'm not a horror movie guy, but Hitchcock really wanted to do a horror film. He does it better than anybody ever has, in my opinion, with Psycho. Um, but it's not the things about a movie that I love the most. Uh, technically, it's incredible. Um, some of the work in just the audio of that movie is phenomenal. So I understand why you, you would think I might have it in my yeah my top three. It would, I mean, it would be number four. You tricked but, me, <laughs> but yeah, but it's no, it's uh, it's not in my top one hundred. But it's definitely worth mentioning in the honorable mentions. Um, I also had Panic Room, uh, a little bit of Fincher with Jodie Foster. Yeah,
0: I never saw it. You should see it. Really? I
2: Yes. I would not have put it in... I actually... When we have a deep category like this, uh, I, I like to identify movies that I think a lot of people may have missed mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, but are really worth seeing. And Panic Room is one of those. Um, yeah. I, I think it's really good.
0: So, worth a watch. Yeah. Uh, original Predator, of course, but uh, Platoon. I
2: wondered if you'd have Platoon. I
0: love Platoon. Yeah? Oh, yeah. It's probably... I think I might like it more than Full Metal Jacket. It might be my favorite Vietnam War film. George C. Scott? I think that was uh, all of... Uh, what was his name? Huh? George C. Scott didn't do Platoon, did he? No. Okay. No. Ow. Sorry. Wait, no. I was confused there for a minute. Okay. All right. What do you? What other ones do you have? Uh,
2: phone Booth, I wanted to
0: mention. I like Phone Booth. I, I feel like
2: it, it It had a lot You of... and I
0: are the only people in the world that like Phone really? Booth. Really? I think so.
2: Doesn't it have
0: a good... Rotten Tomatoes, probably. Am I oh, wrong? To- I, don't, I don't check Rotten Tomatoes.
2: What do you really. check? What do you use to to know if uh, other people think a movie is good? Sometimes IMDb, but most the of the time IMDb I not IMDb is seven point one. That's a good IMDb score. I, I thought it was lower than that. Okay. Um, rotten Tomatoes is seventy one percent. Okay, that's a good Rotten Tomatoes. Maybe score.
0: it's just like the people I've talked to. Are like, man, I thought Phone Booth was boring. I thought it was. Tits. I loved it. I, if you can nail suspense tension in a real-time
2: environment like that yeah. for me, I am all for it. Um, interestingly enough, I first heard of this movie because I think Jim Carrey was originally going to play the main character. And I was really interested in seeing what that would look like. could be wrong about that, but that's just my memory of the time. It's been a while. Um, was it like 15 years ago, 16 years ago? It was early 2000s. Was it
0: really that long ago? Yeah. Man!
2: Yeah. Uh, let me, uh, 2002. Two thousand two, two okay. thousand two. Wow, it's it's just this nice, tight, real time movie,
0: hour and twenty minutes. I love uh, stationary setting films. Yeah, like Lock. Yeah, phone booth, rope. But yeah, you uh you look at uh, movies like Rope, uh, Lock, phone mm-hmm. booth, ones that are just stationary. They only need one set. That's the stuff I like. And Kiefer Sutherland's voice, I mean, so great. Yeah, he's so good. Colin Farrell's great in it. He is. Um, uh, this was the first time I thought you know what Colin Farrell could actually be a really good actor, and then he came out with In Bruges, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, he's a great actor. <laughs> I love In Bruges. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I wanted to
2: mention film booth, put that on there. Yeah. Uh,
0: next one of my honorable mentions: uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower.
2: Tell me about that. I mean, I enjoyed that movie. I didn't think you know, oh. I, I didn't think it was great. It's but...
0: probably uh, when did that come out? Fifteen, 14? just a couple years ago. Yeah, you know. I think it was one of my favorite movies of that year. It's good. It's I definitely thought that the performances in that, like. It was a great coming of age with a dark twist on it at the end. And uh, I just loved being with that group of people. I thought, that, you know, they were exciting and, you know, they were the uh, they were the breakfast club of the the millennial breakfast club, pretty much. You know, the outcasts, you know, yeah. the just weird group of people you never thought would have been the together. The
2: millennial breakfast club is called the Avocado Toast Club, just in case you want to <laughs> You got any more? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jackie Chan's Police Story. Um so yeah. I don't think I saw that one. You didn't see Police Story?
0: Here's what I, I I've you. seen a lot of Jackie Here's, Chan's, but there's a lot I haven't
2: seen. Sure. Here's what I tell people about Police Story and why it's the first Jackie Chan movie I recommend if you want to watch his earlier stuff. Hmm. It's insanity. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Uh, the mall scene at the end is probably my favorite Jackie can't. Well, I like the latter scene, the latter scene. Yeah. And yeah, um, but it's just it's one of those movies that you it's just it is the to me premier example of just being in awe of that man from start to finish. Yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend Police what's your Story?
0: favorite Chan movie?
2: Um probably Police Story. Police it's Story. Probably the one I, I recommend the most. Nice. I'm gonna go rumble in the Bronx. Yeah, that's that's definitely up there as well. Yeah. But um but yeah, so I wanted to mention Police Story.
0: Um a movie that I like, but for some reason I don't hear a lot of other people who have either seen it or just don't like it, and that's Painted Veil. I don't even know I don't even know if I know that movie. <clears throat> uh Edward Norton and uh Naomi Watts. When, when did it come out? Two thousand and eight. The pain So it's very, about a decade ago. Yeah. Um, make t- sure 2006 the, 2006 yeah it also veil. has like leave schreiber in it pretty much it's a takes place in uh china during the cholera outbreak uh edward norton naomi watts our husband and wife she cheats on him and he was going to leave her behind while he went to take care of all these sick people okay. in this cholera ridden city but since she cheated on him he's like all right you're coming with me interesting so what do you love about it what is what makes it, uh, one it worth visiting? artistically, like from a cinematic storytelling, it is beautiful. Okay. It is so beautiful. The score is amazing. Uh, performances are pretty decent. More so Naomi Watts than Edward Norton. Edward Norton's more blocky, but I think that's kind of the character he's portraying. You know, isn't really emotional. He's, he's a doctor. He he just does, he has to work. But the transition of seeing Naomi Watts tr- go from this, spoiled brat of a woman to this person who is thrust into this heartbreaking world and just seeing how she transforms is great i love it uh the director john curran Curran,
2: um has done about six movies uh and i have not seen any of them Mm -hmm. um we don't live here anymore in 2004 the Killer Inside Me, 2010. Also a movie called Stone with De Niro and Edward Norton and Mia Jovovich. It
0: was not good. It was not it good. It was really bad. I just bad. saw those
2: names. I was like, yeah. well, if you like the director, those are those are good names. Yeah. Uh, but he also did Chappaquiddick, which just came out last year and I haven't seen, yeah. um, but I've heard good things about. Yeah, so. Stone is really bad. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so, The Painted Veil.
0: Yeah. I love it. I think it's a very beautiful movie. Um, what else you got? Point Break thought was worth
2: mentioning good call the new one right uh yes of course the new one yeah (laughs) who wants that old (laughs) Keanu Reeves stuff uh no the old one for sure it's a great heist movie um it's it really is a fun movie it's a movie that understands what it is and does what it does well so yeah point break is worth mentioning yeah I only have one other one what did you have
0: yeah I only have one other
2: one as well what do you got pitch black pitch yeah you know what I should have mentioned pitch black and I also should have mentioned the original pitch perfect those are those are both uh, good P movies. Um, Vin Diesel is, is perfectly cast in pitch black. Like it's the exact kind of character he needs to play. Yeah. And the tone in, of that movie is perfect.
0: I think the effects are perfect for that movie. A, you know, you they're can subtle. get, you can get, they're subtle and you know, you can get away with bad CGI when it's dark. Yeah. And there was a reason it's called pitch black. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. Um, you don't really know... This is before Vin Diesel was Vin Diesel. Yeah. He did... What was the movie he did before this? Uh, I think he said he did Fast and the Furious, the original one, so he could do this movie. Because he wanted to initially do, because he loved the idea of Riddick, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah. And he's like, well, I really want to do that, but I need people to, you know, get behind this project, so I'll do this Fast and the Furious movie or whatever. And then it turned out to be an amazing, amazing side project. And I think that obviously he's way more famous for you know playing Toretto than Riddick. But when you look at, I think those are the top two most famous characters he portrays.
2: He is in
0: a movie I really enjoy.
2: Uh, his very first movie. Oh,
0: is it the uh, the uncredited? Unc- yeah,
2: Awakenings. Yeah, with De Niro and Robin Williams. He's a, a hospital orderly. Oh
0: no. I was thinking wrong. He was in uh, Saving Private Ryan before he was in Pitch Black. He was in.
2: He was listen. Here's his career before Pitch Black, um, which I actually really enjoy. Almost all of these movies. Awakenings as an uncredited uh, hospital orderly. Yeah. The Fifth Element as an uncredited voice. Hmm. uh, Finger. Saving Private Ryan as as uh, Private Caparzo. Yeah. The voice of the Iron Giant. That was before. Yes, I didn't know yeah, that. Iron Giant was 1999. Uh, Pitch Black was 2000, and then also in 2000 he was in Boiler Room, which is another underrated gem uh, that I that I like to tell people about. Wow. So uh, so I actually I remember him in Boiler Room first. I mean I knew the Iron Giant first, but I didn't really know who you know the voice was. Um, but then Pitch Black was the same year as Boiler Room, and then Fast and Furious was the next year. So. He had a really good and interesting early career. I yeah. I guess not to rip on his later career. He's just kind of become who he is. Yeah. Um. So he you know.
0: he's typecast now. He's Xander Cage. I mean, he, he tried to
2: do the pacifier, but uh, <laughs> but we won't talk about that. Hey, that's a P movie. <laughs> that's right. Definitely not one we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Purple Rain was the only other one that that I wanted to mention Purple as a, as a P movie. Um,
0: I listened to that the other day.
2: Very very interesting Prince film. And I didn't think we'd get through the letter P without mentioning Prince. So Yeah. Or, or his symbol. The artist
0: formerly known as Prince. Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, there you go. There's the P movies. Uh, if you have a, a P movie that you... That's so funny. If you have a movie that starts with the letter P that you would like to let us know about that we missed, make sure you uh, get in touch with us. Phrasing exactly before we head on to the rest of the show thank you so much for your support of this podcast and the podcast network that it is on if you go to Patreon which also starts with P Patreon.com slash Studio D N A. in is everywhere uh, you can unfortunately you <laughs> have a house full of boys that is true uh, if you go there you can support the station three or the podcast network three bucks a month is where it starts lots of cool fun perks uh, for instance we do a bonus episode of this show that only patrons get to listen to. It uh, shows right up in your podcast feed. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash studio DNA. Support starts at $3 a month and check that out. And thank you so much for your support. Very humbling. We really do appreciate it. Um, okay, let's move on to our uh, Sift Quest. Now, the Sift Quest is where you can send us on a quest. It can be a question you have for us. A it can debate. be a debate you want us to solve. Um, could be a moral quandary, whatever you have, send it our way. Uh, Gideon sent us a philosophical question for this week's Sift Quest on Twitter. Uh says, is there a difference between subjective interpretation and objective beauty in art? For example, a two-year-old is going to subjectively enjoy Cars 2 more than Citizen Kane or The Godfather. But despite that, can we still call The Godfather in Citizen Kane Objectively better than Cars 2? We can say The Godfather does some, some things better than Cars 2, but what defines good storytelling outside of the individual? Is art defined by the individual or by the masses? Is interpreting the sub- subjective interpretations of the many the only way to call something objectively good or bad? What a great and deep question, Gideon. Uh, We're going to get into it just a little bit. Andrew, why don't you give us some first thoughts when you heard this question?
0: So initially, whenever I first heard it, by the way, yes, I totally agree, Gideon. Amazing question, and it's going to spark a very lengthy debate, I imagine. (laughs) Um, Whenever I watch a movie or critique a movie, I always, you know, and I think you do as well, Aaron, we really say these are our reviews. It's subjective. Whenever... We say, I like a movie. We're not saying the movie is good, really. We're saying we think the movie is good. Correct. So Definitely the way I lean. Yeah, yeah because sure. uh, whenever I am looking for a film critic to listen to, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go through their backlog to see if they like the same things I do. Yeah. Because you can't just say, oh... Roger Ebert, Roger yeah you know, they're, they're the best film critics everything they say is set in stone if the, right. they say a movie is bad it is bad yeah you know you got to find who you like so whenever you say a little 2 year old is going to like cars 2 more than citizen kane yeah you're absolutely right because subjectively that's what you're looking at on the other hand objectively you can say that there are Things that are taught and there are kind of rules that are meant meant to be followed when making a film you have to have good performances you have to have good storytelling you have to have visual you know something to grab your eye you know yeah so yeah there are things objectively that you initially are looking for whenever you are watching a film and if they don't Follow those rules, or you know, they don't spark new interesting things, then yeah, you could objectively say a movie is bad. But I would say that a subjective viewpoint will always outweigh an objective viewpoint. I lean
2: very, very heavily towards the subjective interpretation of movies. Um, it is that I mean, that's just more fun, it's more fun to interact with. Uh, content, movies, television, whatever, when you're talking subjectively. Yeah. It's it, like, if you want to make it a math equation, I'm out. Like, I'm just not interested. There's no if, passion in that. Yeah, if you're sitting with a, a pen and paper in, you know, counting the number of times a story is distracted by a certain element, not only do I think you're doing it wrong, um, I think there's, there's, just, there's just such a strippage of the joy of what it means to enjoy art and interpret art, right? So I lean very heavily towards the subjective uh, side. Having said that, there is a science to everything. You can yeah. study anything. You can study why things seem to work better. Why th- And I say seem uh, very um, specifically because I don't know that the same things always work better In the same situations, it's such a complex process, storytelling, that you can say, okay, for instance, um, the more efficient your story is, the better it's going to be. You know, the more efficiently you hit these three acts, the better your story is going to be. Okay, I get what you're saying, but aren't there some movies that are amazing that you love? that actually wander around memento, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there are just like there. I think you, you have to lean to this subjective side when you realize there are no hard and fast rules. That's exactly every, right. Every single rule you would make about making a great movie. There is a great movie that broke. Yeah. Um, and that's in, to me, that means no, you actually cannot do this objectively 100%, but you can study it. Yeah. And that's different. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like to me, to put it in a more scientific space, it's like a golf swing, okay? What is the perfect golf swing swing look like? Right? Well, we know scientifically about the arc of the ball, the you know, the angle you should hit it at, those kind of things, right? But how you get there with the backswing, there's it's so complex. There's so many different things to be thinking about. At the end of the day, it's where the ball lands, right? Yeah. No matter what the swing looks like, it's where the ball lands. And I
0: think we get lost you in what You could happy the... Gilmore and hit it farther than right.
2: Tiger Woods. Right. So I think we get lost in what the swing uh, the swing looks like in, instead of thinking about where the ball lands. And with movies, where the ball lands is Different for each of us, which makes it even more subjective. That's so, a really good analogy. So, so yeah, I, I I feel like you have to land on the subjective side. And I also feel like if you do that, you have to be willing to talk about what you like and not about what is good. And we fall into that all the time. So, for instance, if you, like me, land on that subjective side so hardcore, you do have to be willing to say that Cars 2 is a better movie than The Godfather For that two-year-old. Yeah. And that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it fun. That's why we can sit here and talk about The Predator and not enjoy it, but know that the guy sitting to my left absolutely loved it, and he thinks it's a great movie, and I have to be okay with that. And, in fact, if I can be okay with that, I can actually be happy for him.
0: Yeah. That he had a different experience. There's a reason why we start off all the reviews how did you feel about this movie? Exactly. Did you like it? Did you love it? Did yeah. you hate it? It's How was your experience? Yeah. Exactly. Not is this a good movie? Right. Is this movie great? Is this movie bad? We ask how did you feel about it? Yeah. And I think that's that's so very important
2: because and like you say, when you're looking for opinions that you trust, opinions that you, you know, like to listen to. Yeah. There, I mean, there are several reasons why you might like to listen to them, but one very important one I do believe is uh, the trust level, the trust of, oh, I see movies in, in a lot of the same ways this person does. Yeah, um, And that is a big one. You know, entertainment, all that kind of stuff is good too, but, you know, for the most part, I think we like, we like to know there are others who see things the way we do. And that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, I love... That movies are subjective. I love that art is subjective because, and I was just thinking about this thanks to this question getting, uh, which I love. I love that because movies are suggestive, uh, um, are subjective, that they teach us how to have discourse, right? Because in a world where we're more and more separated from each other by what we believe, we are more and more forgetting how to have positive, fun, interesting discourse with each other. It becomes very negative. It becomes, you're wrong, I'm right, here's why. And movies have taught me, having discussions about movies, are a a groundwork for teaching us how to have those discussions. You loved – I'm not saying you, but I'm saying somebody. Sure. You loved the predator. I didn't. Let's have a conversation about that. Let's talk about why I did and why you did not and let's do it in a way that understands each other and is willing to listen to each other and – maybe even change our mind on some things. Um, it's
0: like you're trying to find common ground yes. as opposed to trying to find your differences. Well, and trying
2: to find the truth of each other's experience. Like It's not just about me saying everybody has to have the same experience I do. It's about me coming to you and going, tell me about your experience and let me see it through your eyes. Let yeah, me, let me, it's let me,
0: not me, me, me. It's you, you, yes, you.
2: Yes, exactly. And so I really think it's one of the reasons I love discussion about content, movies, TV, whatever, is because I think it does Does teach us how to do that because it is so subjective, Um, and I think, um, and this could get me into a lot of trouble because (laughs) because because truth itself, like the essence of science, truth, those kind of things, that is not subjective. There is objective truth, right? Yeah. But our understanding of truth is much more subjective than we want to believe. The way our brain works, the things we remember as fact that aren't fact. You know what I mean? Like, there's the truth in itself is is real and objective our knowledge of it and our ability to engage with it is not and that's why it's so important for us to listen to each other and hear each other's perspective on truth and be willing to listen to each other because you know none of us is in a place to be omniscient (laughs) you know like none of us is god uh so um Man, I, that's probably
0: deeper than you ever wanted to go, Gideon. But no, that's... I think that's exactly where he wanted us to go with that type of question. You can't ask that type of philosophical question and not expect us to get that deep and yeah, probably. intricate with it. No, that's probably but true. man, Gideon, that was a great question. Thank
2: you so much for that. If you've got a SIFT quest that you want to send us on, Uh, there are a couple ways you can get that to us. You can uh, tweet it at me, at Aaron Dicer. I leave my DMs open in case you need more space to tweet something more philosophical, something like that. Or you can certainly email it. Feedback is the email address. Feedback at siftpop.com is the quickest way to email us. So thank you, Gideon, for that Sift quest. Uh, We'll finish out with our buried treasure. Yep. What do you got? What's that one thing in any area of pop culture that we want to make sure people know about? I'm
0: going to give a shout-out to an 18-year-old television show. Do it. I love this. Titus. Did you ever watch Titus? No, I don't don't even know what you're talking about. So, Christopher Titus, stand-up comedian, Okay, he pretty much made a uh, a sitcom about what it was like for him growing up with his family, with his girlfriend, his crazy, crazy family. Imagine, this is going to sound bad, a more white trash version of the Goldbergs. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Uh, White trash in a sense of like, you know, they weren't the common family, you know, divorced father. you talking mar- like, my name is Earl kind of-ish? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think this show is one of the, it's one of my favorite shows ever. It ran uh, for
2: two seasons, it looked like. Oh, uh, no, three, three, seasons. Seasons. Yeah. three seasons. Yeah,
0: seasons, yeah. Uh, it had, like, Stacey Keach, who was an amazing actor in mm-hmm. it. Um, then you had, like, Zach Ward and Cynthia... Is it Waitrose? Watros, uh, I yeah, think. Watros, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember her from uh, Lost. Uh, it's just such a fun show. The chemistry between all of those people is what you'd look for in a sitcom like i'm going to go hang out with my friends now my friends are going to get into some trouble and i'm going to hope everything is okay for them and i know you hate this but it, or hate this hates a strong word i know you don't like you know a uh, laugh track sitcom i do not it is a laugh track sitcom okay
2: a little grace for something that came out 15 years ago but yeah
0: yeah yeah
2: titus i'm glad you mentioned it man
0: yeah, you can watch every single episode on YouTube. Okay, so nice. There you go.
2: Good to know. Um, I wanted before I do my buried treasure. Uh, I'll just quickly mention a bury it, uh, not treasure. Um, <laughs> bury it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I did. I watched the first couple episodes of Norm Macdonald's new talk show on uh, Netflix. Hmm. Um. Man, is it bad? Is it? Oh, it's so bad. Um. I. It's interesting because I've never laughed as hard at something so bad. Uh, And what I mean by that is there, it's it's not worth it to get to those moments. But there was it's kind of like the predator, like we talked about today. But there was one moment in his interview with David Spade that it got so bad, like it's put together so poorly. Is it cringy? It's cringy, and it got so cringy that I just like I lost it. Like I just started I started giggling and laughing because they're just like. David Spade spends the whole first episode like are is this seriously the show? Like is this what we're doing? And it's just it's it's just put together poorly. There's no organization to it. It kind of it's a show I think is going for um, forgive me because this Demean's podcast in some way, but kind of a podcast aesthetic where it's like it doesn't matter if you kind of wander and talk about different things and you know that kind of stuff, and you know the maybe the quality is not that great. But we're just sitting and hanging out. And if you want to watch Norm mcdonald and David Spade sit and hang out and tell stories, then you know that kind of thing. But it is it was so cringy to me uh, that I just I did not enjoy it. And the second episode was Drew Barrymore, and it was even worse. And I didn't laugh much during that one. But
0: so here's the thing, Day, or, uh, <clears throat> Norm mcdonald is one of the funniest people alive. When he was doing Update,
2: yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I thought his, I thought what he did on Update was so hilarious.
0: Uh, hey there, guys. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think he's hilarious. I can't see him as an interviewer. I don't Tro- see he I mean, has... I would be really curious to see what... It is one of those
2: shows where I'm like, I'm curious what I other hate cringe. Pe- I hate cringe. Hell, maybe... I don't know. Yeah. But maybe maybe if, if you're really tuned in to Norm MacDonald's sense of humor, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it does work. I don't know. I... Like, his roast to Bob Saget is one
0: of the funniest things ever. Oh, really? I haven't seen that. Because he's pretty... It's so meta. He's roasting how people roast. Yeah. It's... If you watch it and you realize that he's roasting the idea of roasting... Well, and I should also mention, I am aware of also some controversy
2: he's going through right now with uh, defending... I think Chris Hardwick and yeah. talking about Roseanne and some of those different things. So I am aware of that as well. I don't, for me, that doesn't necessarily play into how I'm talking about the talk show. That's yeah. not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the actual content of the I his think talk it was show.
0: more Louis C.K. and Roseanne as yeah, opposed was, to Chris Hardwick. Yeah,
2: the Chris Hardwick thing was a throwaway mention. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Louis, I think specifically the Louis C.K. thing yeah. was was uh, probably a specific thing. But yeah, anyway, so I wanted to mention that before I give out my actual buried treasure,
0: which I love. <laughs>
2: kidding with jim carrey uh, i've
0: only seen like the first 10 minutes of the first episode i this show is unlike
2: anything that is on tv right now the tone of it and i think it's um uh, gondry who pulls this off is so
0: michelle gondry
2: yeah 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 um just it's so i don't even know how to describe it but there's nothing fast-paced about it it's, it definitely lives in its world, and the world just feels very meaningful. And there's something about Jim Carrey playing this child. You He's know, like a Mister Rogers kind of guy, isn't he? Yes, uh, very, but very different than you know, like having just seen "Won't You Be My Neighbor?" Yeah. and that kind of stuff. There's there's definitely some differences, but that is the idea. And you know, he has uh, lost a family member. I don't think that's a spoiler. I think it's part of the setup. And it's one of those things where understanding what it means to speak to children, but also be going through your own crisis, and like, I don't know, I find it, I, I find it absolutely wonderful. So um, I'm hoping it stays that way. Um, you know, usually I, I wait till I've seen three or four episodes to mm-hmm. really say. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of,
0: but you're in right now. I'm
2: shooting early, but man, I, I really loved the pilot. So
0: I think you can watch the pilot on. Yes. YouTube, Hulu, somewhere? YouTube? Uh, I don't know where, but yes, it yeah. is available the, for yeah. you to watch. And then I think it Showtime is Hulu is, because isn't Hulu and Showtime, they have, they have a deal or something? They might, although
2: yeah. once the deal is final, final, Hulu will be a Disney thing. Yeah. They'll own a majority of Hulu as well. So When
0: is Disney going to launch there?
2: I think they're supposed to do it in 2019, so really? I think first quarter. I think sometime in the spring.
0: I think they just need to make Hulu their thing. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Because at the end of the day, we're all, and this is obviously we're going off on a side here, but at the end of the day, we all just want, we want to spend like maybe 50 bucks a month, 60 bucks a month for maybe four or five services and get everything. Like, you know, I mean. I
0: think I'm already paying that across all my different ones. Right. That's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. So at the end of the day, why can't somebody figure out 50 bucks a month? Here's everything. Yeah. Why can't we just have a centralized place? Make it happen, people. Come on. Yeah. It's what the consumer wants. It's what we need. It's what's Get on happen. it! Uh, there you go. Congratulations! You did a you did a Sif Pop podcast. You did too. We're so proud of you. You listened all the way through. You're still with us. Yeah, you're the best. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following us at Spreaker, either in the Spreaker app or at spreakercom slash DNA. Huge thanks to uh, Andrew for coming
0: by again today. Hey, thanks, buddy. Uh, Where do you want people to find you online? You can find me at them Twitters and Instagrams at Flick Freaks. I post stuff.
2: (laughs) I'm at Aaron Dicer on Twitter and your movie friend on YouTube if you want to check out my reviews. Much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at three bucks a month, comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash DNA. Lots of ways to connect with us at the podcast. You can comment on Spreaker or email us at feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a great time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than immediately understanding alien technology and language. Uh, Spoiler chat for Predator should be next up in your podcast feed, and we'll be back next week. not 100% sure what we'll be talking about, but the house with a clock in the walls seems like the big release, but Mm. I'll I'll probably do a poll, so if you want to follow my Twitter and let us know what we should talk about next week. Maybe the
0: white kid Rick or something. Yeah, yeah, white boy Rick will probably be on that
2: poll and uh, some other things, so let us know what you want us to talk about next week, and we will see you then.
1: Bye!